Det här är ett poddradioprogram från Studentradion 98,9. Alla våra program hittar du på studentradion.com eller i vår mobilapplikation Studentradion 98,9. Av upphovsrättsliga skäl är musiken förkortad. Utrikespolitik. Det är inga pajaskonster. Det är inte hehe och hehe. Listening to Student Radio 98,9, and welcome to this episode of Radio UF. Uh, today we're going to talk about um, the country that is uh, often talked about as Europe's last dis- dictatorship, uh, Belarus. Uh, there have been mass protests there uh, for the several for several months uh, in connection to their presidential election this year, and. Um, People are still actively protesting against President Lukashenko that uh, claims to be in power. And in studio today, I have with me some people. Would you like to introduce yourselves? Oh, yes, sec. Technical error. Sorry. Uh, my name is Melker. I'll be the technician today. And um, I study political science and peace and conflict research. Let's hope that we don't have to use the peace and conflict research on this political <laughs> dispute. Um, hi, my name is Greta. Uh, I am studying political science and I focus on Central and Eastern Europe, but no pressure. Um, but I'm very interested in what's going on in Belarus. Thank you so much. And I'll also introduce myself. Um, my name is Amanda. I'm the host for the evening and I also study political science here in Uppsala. Welcome back to Radio UF. You just listened to uh, Candlelight by... Sunset roller coaster and oh yuck at Student Radio 98,9. And um, today we're talking about Belarus, so I thought I would just give you um, a bit of background information about the country and how it has developed. So uh, Belarus was part of the Soviet Union until the collapse in 1991, um, and then the country became independent. Shortly after this um, independence, there seemed to be some hope for a democratization of the country. Um, however, the process was uh, going slowly and the communist elite um, in Belarus uh, was still hol- holding on to their power. And in 1994, um, the, the president now, uh, Lukashenko, he came to power. Um, and I actually, I have a fun fact about Lukashenko for you. Did you know that he was the head of the anti-corruption um, <laughs> department <Wow>. in, <laughs> in Belarus before he became president? Um, I think that is kind of ironic. But yeah, <laughs> now you know. Um, yep. But he came to power in 1994 and has been um, until today... Um, And he has done some very drastic changes in the country. Like he has made sure that the um, the laws were changed to his benefit to make him able to stay in power for longer periods of time. And he has also um, 
tried to keep um, a strong connection to Russia. Um, and throughout his time in power, the country has received a lot of criticism from um, the outside, among others, for systematically violating human rights. And since uh, in 2002, the EU um, started to refuse Lukashenko to enter into EU territory as a consequence of this. And um, this year, on the 9th of uh, August, there was a presidential election in the country where the official results, um, they claim that Lukashenko won without 80% of the votes, while um, international um, independent monitors, they have underlined very strongly that this election neither would be fair, neither was fair nor free. Um, and there's also been a strong opposition that have um, given very different election results. Um, and the opposition leader, Svetlana Chikanovskaya, is currently in exile in Litu Lithuania at the, uh, at the time. Um, and uh, Lukashenko seems to be doing everything in his power in order to stay um, president of the country. So the unfair election has led to enormous protests all over the country, um, which we can still see today. And uh, the pe people of Belarus, they um, really demand that Lukashenko um, resigns from his position. And we'll hear more about the situation in inside of the country in just a moment. You were just listening to Try Me by Hedy One and Skepta at Student Radio 98,9. Welcome back. Today we're talking about Belarus and uh, Melker. Would you like to give um, some insight into what the cur current situation is in the country right now? Sure. So to begin with, the election is not really clear and we don't have a result as of yet. How familiar? We know that Lukashenko gained an unnatural amount of votes, um, but the actual results are still quite unclear. This triggered protest against President uh, Lukashenko's government, and uh, yeah, after he declared victory in um, in the August 9 vote, as you mentioned, and you really got the impression that this is the perfect storm for Lukashenko's regime. Many of his old supporters inside the country has abandoned him. Students are marching, there is attempts at a general strike within the country, and even some government officials have resigned in protests. And this started as a relatively small thing. The movement really got going after the early protests were met with violence and mass arrests. This, the Interior Ministry says police arrested 523 people during mass anti-government protests last Sunday, and 352 of them are still in custody. And the people arrested are really not treated well, with some of them being released with signs of torture on their bodies, and people in uh, outside at the streets in the protests are often met with violence. Unsurprisingly, these tactics and other factors have driven many supporters away from Lukashenko's regime. Additionally, the coronavirus has affected this situation as well. The Lukashenko government did not do a proper job in handling the coronavirus. They chose to ignore its existence and this, of course, solved nothing and led to many people being infected. A solid part of Lukashenko's voting bloc was based on senior citizens and workers in state factories. 
So when the coronavirus hit the senior community in Belarus particularly hard, as it's known to do, Lukashenko lost a lot of support. And when the economy took a hit from the downturn following the coronavirus, many state workers changed their allegiance. One, also one of the key um, features of the protests is the mobilization of women in Belarusian society. Um, they are mobili- mobilized by, for example, the several opposition leaders that are women now. Uh, the previous mentioned Shikanovskaya. Um, Uh, she uh, had to join in after her husband was uh, uh, arrested and several other political leaders also had to do that. And it's always funny, like, yeah, put the man in jail, the women can't do anything, but apparently that's wrong. Who would have known? Um, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, but it's interesting because uh, peaceful protests are actually much more likely to succeed when there is a lot of women within the movement. It's both uh, more likely to remain peaceful, uh, but also more likely to uh, uh, cause um, people from the police or the state to change their mind and change sides. And uh, that's what we see with a lot of security forces as well. A lot of them are uh, changing sides or police are stepping away. And as I said, uh, people within the political system are also stepping down. So... um, This is what's going on within the country. We're not really sure which way this protest will turn just yet. Uh, But we do know that a lot of international uh, organizations are watching this. A lot of countries are seeing how this shakes out. And we will discuss how to interpret these events after this short break. Welcome back to Radio UF at Studentradion 98,9. You just heard The Valley of the Pagans by Beck and Gorillas. Great song. And we're talking about Belarus. And there is a bit of a pattern when it comes to democratic movements in Eastern Europe, isn't there? Yes. So I wanted to take a moment to talk about Lukashenko's reputation as Europe's last dictator. Um, Because in many ways, Belarus comes across to me as a classic 20th century style dictatorship. Uh, This is a country where the KGB is still called the KGB. It's the last European country to use the death penalty. Uh, Lukashenko is known as Batka, which means father of the nation. And every single night he leads uh, the country's TV news, um, inspecting a tractor, um, arriving in Kazakhstan, anything like this. Um, And streets in the capital are still named after Marx and Engels. There's a statue of Lenin. Um, So it really seems like a kind of 20th century dictatorship. But I would say that Belarus is not alone in its struggle to democratize. Um, It has been independent for such a fraction of its history. And it took three years after becoming independent to fall into dictatorship. Um, And the first and last free elections were the ones that brought Lukashenko to power. But I think that there are still like a lot of parallels that can be drawn with other European countries. And there's a really great book by Vitor Chavosky called Dancing Bears, which compares Central and Eastern Europe to animals kept in captivity. Um, And basically, when the practice of training bears to dance was made illegal in Bulgaria, the animals were taught how to survive in the wild. Uh, And they survived for about two weeks, but pretty quickly they started dancing again. And um, this is kind of similar to what's happened in Central and Eastern Europe because societies that have become accustomed to tyranny over many years often return to illiberal practices. For example, following the 1989 revolution in Bulgaria, the public literally re-elected the former leaders of the Communist Party who had just adopted a new party name, changed their uniforms. They were the same people. 
Um, and of course, like the black sheep of the European Union are the liberal democracies of Hungary and Poland who pretend to be democratic while dismantling the rule of law. Uh, and we've seen that with the Polish government who recently faced backlash over its undemocratic and frankly unconstitutional plans to hold presidential elections on the 10th of May. And eventually the government did agree to postpone these elections, but um, instead, uh, in, but it is instead just decided to prepare changes to the justice system, which have been increasingly criticised by the EU. Um, and the same can be said of Hungary. Um, Viktor Orbán's got increasing uh, power. He's got a parliamentary supermajority, but he also used rule by decree during lockdown. And so even though Belarus is perhaps on a traditional path to dictatorship, or rather it's, it's a traditional dictatorship, um, that's not to say that there aren't parallels to be drawn with other European states. Yeah, and something really interesting that we touched on before in this show is how situational all of, all of this is. Because like, for example, you mentioned the lockdown. And we have been talking about that in our episode on, we called it sick democracies, where um, the pandemic kind of gives these illiberal democracies um, the tools to pass legislation that target people or um, limit uh, democratic rights. It is um, also something that we can apply on Belarus as well during these protests because drastic times could need drastic measures if you're the head of an illiberal government. But we'll be right back and we'll talk some more about Belarus. Welcome back. You just heard Wasting Time by the artist Jon. And uh, yeah, how do we think the rest of the world is going to respond to all of this? Um, starting from the EU side, I'm not sure. There has been talks of sanctions and just this week we had some new information regarding this. Is that right? Yes, exactly. Um, the EU uh, just, um, I think it was yesterday or a couple of days ago, they announced that they're um, putting even stricter um, sanctions towards um Lukashenko in particular, but also um, 14 other, what should you say, high-ranking officials in Belarus. And mm -hmm. the EU is even trying to um, freeze their assets somehow. I, I cannot tell you how yeah. they're doing that, but uh, at least they're quite actively, I would say, in one way, trying to yeah sanction oh. Belarus right now. Yeah, because I've heard that it's difficult because a lot of these people have their capital outside of the EU, but I'm sure that they can figure out some way to move that. Mm. I think that the EU has a kind of continual problem that is they want to keep their friends close. And I feel like we kind of learned that during World War, like the interwar periods, because we pushed away people that were breaking the rules and we just drove them to dictatorship. And so I really feel like the EU tries to keep their friends close and not sanction people. And the last sanctions that we had on Belarus were actually lifted in 2015. And the fear is now, I think, that these new sanctions might push Belarus straight into Russia's hands. Yeah, we, because uh, with a lot of these international organizations, you have to remember that they can't really afford to push members away because they a lot of people are there. They are all, all there of their free will and they often have to pay for mm -hmm. it. So... They'll try to accommodate them when they can. And Belarus is part of the European Eastern Partnership. So it's supposed to, the EU is supposed to be helping Belarus democratize. Mm -hmm. And yet at the same time, the EU is putting sanctions on Belarus. It just seems like a very confused policy right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and if you look at the EU, they also have huge problems, you know, with democracy within their member states even. So mm -hmm. I guess we can not be too optimistic about how they will help Belarus um, become democratic anytime in the near future, at least with the EU doing the biggest part of the job. 
Yeah, something I've noticed is that uh, they are still very much propped up by Russia, for example. They sell crude oil to Belarus that they can then sell from Belarus to a higher price. And I'm not sure exactly how... I've gotten the impression that neither Russia or the EU are super interested in this right now. It's a peace, mostly peaceful protest within the country. And like everyone's pretty caught up with Corona. So I'm not sure exactly how Russia is going to respond to this or the EU for that matter. It would seem that the only time that Belarus has really gone against Russia and it was like in a very weak way was just not commenting on what happened in Crimea, which obviously makes sense because Belarus doesn't want to be the next thing to be annexed by Russia. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like I don't think the Russians have really said anything about this so far. Yeah, it's an interesting thing to see how like in such an interconnected system, just one thing like this can cause everyone to have to take a stand towards it. But um, we are going to be right back after this song. Welcome back to Student Radio 98.9. You are listening to Radio UF. That was When in Summer I Forget About the Winter by Ye Ye. Sadly, we are in autumn. Moving on. Um, <laughs> we are going to talk about the internal happenings in Belarus right now. And... Uh, How what, how do we think this is going to shake out? Will we see a change? Will it be peaceful? Will there be a crackdown? What do you think? I kind of think there, I mean, of course, there are two ways this can go. It can be brutally repressed by Lukashenko or Lukashenko can resign. But honestly, I kind of think even if the protests keep going on long enough for him to resign, will the people allow him to stay? Will this take a 1989 sort of like how how the Romanians like shot Ceausescu, like is that is that going to be his fate because i don't see there there uh, being an easy way of him just stepping down and no one asking any questions like yeah we're safe from dictatorship now mm-hmm. yeah that's going to be interesting because i i really got the impression that no one really likes lukashenko no no country around him no persons in the country except his inner circle so in one way i can kind of see him just being allowed to leave perhaps not with all his financial assets and things like that but Just as long as he gets out of here, they, then there might be a solution. Yeah, at least it seems to me that it's what the Belarusian people would want, just for him to step down and leave, and that um, that's sort of their main demand um, at the moment. Uh, but I also think it's really interesting how um, sort of the, what should I say, uh, opinions about Lukashenko has changed for just the past months, as I saw videos um from the summer about these huge, you know, pro-Lukashenko protests in Minsk and people were really supporting him. He even came there to have a speech and encourage them. Uh, while uh, today I know that um, international media have problems finding anyone in the country that will go public and say that they support him. So um, I think that's a really interesting Um, shift we've seen there and hopefully that um, also means that you know more people are um, supporting uh, the democratization of Belarus and will continue to in the future. I mean Lukashenko I I remember reading I think back in September or August he um, tried to go to a tractor plant which is usually like one of his he'll get a lot of positivity and like positive vibes there but this time he was booed by striking workers and so you can really see that opinion has shifted with regard to him and his popularity and that's dangerous for the regime or for his regime because 
it's not a, an ideological regime as far as I'm concerned. I think it's a regime built around the cult of personality or it's around him. And so if he goes, there's what dictatorship doesn't seem to have much of a chance of survival. Yeah, I'm thinking that they might be able to compromise with opposition groups um, as long as they remove Lukashenko. I mean, there's the risk that his inner circle will still remain. But I think most people are willing to take like the peaceful um, route of route of just having him step down. Um, but I do think that we might see some kind of event happening soon because like. As uh, as mentioned earlier, the public opinion, there's just no support. No one can support him. So uh, that's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, exactly. And I also feel that um, the strength of the protest is that they're um, nonviolent and that will also be like maybe how they will be able to keep on the protests for even longer as well. Exactly. Like one thing I really love is like uh, musicians. Musicians are playing a really big role in these protests. Yeah. People are linking arms. People are playing songs. And, you know, it's the soldiers that look like they're overreacting. You know, it's not the protests that are violent at all. And I think that's the strength of the protests and that's their legitimacy. That's where they get their legitimacy and their international support from. Exactly. Welcome back. This is Radio UF and you just heard Sleeping with, with a Parachute by the artist Esther. And we were just talking about uh, the protest and what causes it to succeed. And during the break we talked about the importance of symbols as well. Um, during the protest you don't really see any Belarusian flags or you do in a way. You see their old flag from when was it from uh... um as far as i understood it's the one they used before they became part of soviet union so from the beginning of the 1900s mm-hmm. um and um that uh it's become a very you know strong symbol for the protesters as the flag they officially have now was the one yeah like i said they used uh, when they were under soviet rule when they even had the communist sort of what would you say uh, logo in in mm-hmm. one of the corners of the flag but then right. they removed it um but they still kept the flag so i think it's a very yeah no it, sh- it clearly shows um you know what kind of um symbolic power that has and how it you know represent sort of you know the communist elite it was also Lukashenko uh, I think it was in 1995 that um, implemented this new flag instead of the old Mm -hmm. so it's a very direct symbol of Lukashenko's um, rule this flag actually yeah yeah and I was also interested because you mentioned that the women were all dressed in white what was the symbolism of that as far as I've understood um, it's just as to be um a very clear contrast to, you know, the policemen that are all wearing black and very, they have this, you know, covered their whole body um, in black police uniforms uh, while these protesters then match this old flag, which is white and red, as far as I understood. And I guess it's also, you know, white is a symbol for peace. Mm. So I don't know if that's what they thought, but at least that's why something I also associate with them when I see them so yeah Mm -hmm. no I was just gonna say um I think it's also interesting like talking about um symbols and also uh, talking about musicians one of the songs that they've been singing is a kind of unofficial um anthem of Belarus which is a very ironic song um I think it's called like the turtle song or something 
and uh, <laughs> as, as you do. Um, but it's just kind of it, when you see these photos of people dressed in white and then you see the KGB and the riot police lined up, it just looks so ridiculous. Um, and it really just goes to show like how repressive this regime is. Yeah, and that's the purpose, basically. If you, um, it, it is unjust and this points it out very clearly. And that makes it much easier for... Uh, um, it makes it harder for the regime to work and it makes it easier for support to be gathered. And an interesting thing, here in Sweden there's been um, a discussion if we're supposed to call the country Vitrysland and that's White Russia basically or Belarus. Belarus, uh, Because uh, one is much more connected to the past I guess. And uh, that's uh, that's uh, that's also connected to the symbol. What, what is this country supposed to be? And we say that just by talking about it. Yeah, exactly. And I know that this debate has also started in Norway um, now for the past months where there's been a lot of focus on um, Belarus because while Sweden chose to officially change it to uh, Belarus um, instead of Viterusland last year, Norway um, still calls it Viterusland officially. um, So we'll see um, if there can also be yeah, you know, some symbolic changes from abroad about recognizing um, Belarus. Um, and as far as I've understood, it's also, um, you know, that they clearly wanted to take distance from Russia and therefore not wanting to have Russia as part of the official name in mm-hmm. different languages in Europe, which I can understand that they got independent like almost 30 years ago. So, yeah. Exactly. It's the same thing also. I think like, in Britain, it would be very strange to call it Belarusia. But in mm-hmm. France, I think they call it Belarusia. And I find that very antiquated. And mm-hmm. yeah, like it's a symbolic thing. Calling it Belarus is, yeah, it's it's not a, it's not part of the USSR anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, uh, we're going to have a short break and we'll be right back. I'm a the artist was Slow Pulp and you just heard their song Montana. This is Radio UF at Student Radio 98.9. And we have been talking about Belarus and the p- protest going on right now. And even though we've mentioned what we think what could happen, we haven't really said what we think will. How, how will this shake out? And uh, wrapping up this episode, uh, do we have any final takes on this subject? Uh, I heard on um, the Economist podcast uh, this morning that um, they said that Lukashenko is ruling on borrowed time, which I think was a very good expression Mm -hmm. to explain the situation. And I also think that at least considering the situation right now and if the protest continues, at some point he has to go... um, I would say uh, we don't know when or how, but at least um, if develop- the development continues as now, I, I really think that will be the result and hope so as well, I think I can say. I kind of agree. I think that, as I said earlier, like there are two ways this can go. At the moment, it doesn't look like the protesters are going to give up anytime soon. Um, which is a really positive thing. But at the same time, Lukashenko doesn't look like he's going to give up either. 
Um, and I think, honestly, for him to succeed, um, he's going to have to violently repress these protests in a way that he's not doing right now. In a way, I'm thinking like 1956 Hungary kind yeah, of way. More violently. Exactly. Protest, yeah. And because at the moment, I don't think they're afraid. I think if anything, violence is shocking them. They've locked up like a 70 year old woman. They're just angry and they're not going to give up. Um, and that's really great for the protesters. Um, and I think the only way for for Lukashenko to win this is, yeah, to properly violently repress the protests. But of course, if he does that, that's going to cost his regime its legitimacy on a global scale. Um, and yeah, like it, it can't last. Surely it can't last. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with everyone here. Um, I don't see how he will be able to hold on or I can see how he'll do it um, in a practical way. But I don't think he'll have anything to hold on to if he represses uh, the people violently. Neither the yeah, quote unquote West or the quote unquote East uh, would have any. Lukashenko isn't indispensable. And I think that within the country, they've made it very clear that they are not going to take any side if Lukashenko steps down. And I think there can be some kind of compromise between um, the stakeholders inside the country and the protest movements right now. The only question then would be, will we see a real and proper change or will a lot of the structure remain even when Lukashenko is gone? Welcome back to Studentradio 98.9. We are Radio UF and that was Tissues by Teddy Failure. And we've been talking about the uh, protests right now in Belarus. And uh, we will be wrapping up right now. My name has been Melchior Hörner. I've been uh, doing the technical stuff and being host as well. In With me in the studio, we have had a first-time broadcaster. Hi, Greta Scott. It's been it's been a great time. Thank you for having me. Yes, and uh, Amanda Bulan here. Thanks for tonight. Great. <laughs> and you'll probably hear from us sooner rather than later. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Det där var en poddradioversion av ett program från Studentradio 98,9. Alla våra program hittar du på studentradion.com eller i vår mobilapplikation Studentradio 98,9. Att lyssna fritt är stort, att lyssna rätt är större.